to change the concept of permanency is no longer these rubber totes or bags that you've brought with you for six years that permanency is there's nothing you can do to change my love for you permanency we're still not there we're still not there um we're getting there welcome everyone to bringing kids home a tbhc foster care and adoption production i'm jennifer thomas tbhc's marketing director we are excited you're joining us today to hear stories of foster care and adoption and how any one of us including you can make a difference in a child's life stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home Hi everyone, I'm Jason Curry, president of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us. My guest today is Eric Porter. Eric and I have become fast friends over our couple of years of knowing each other, both in professional space that we share and as fellow adoptive dads. Eric grew up in Owasa, Oklahoma, near Tulsa, and he and his wife, Tricia, have been married 21 years and have six kids, four biological and two adopted. He loves to run. I have witnessed his passion as he has participated in TBHC's Hero 5K. Brewing his own coffee is another love and sounds like something that should be added to our friendship experience, by the way. Uh, he is the founder and president of Backyard Orphans, a ministry that guides church leaders to develop a foster care, adoption, and support ministry. He joins me today wanting more people to get involved in orphan care. I can't agree more. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for joining me on Bringing Kids Home. Bro, it is my honor. Now, you said <clears throat> brewing coffee, but it's actually, go. I go up uh, stream a little bit. I actually enjoy roasting coffee. So it's like I get the green beans and I roast those in my garage. So, yes, we're way overdue me treating you to a uh, fresh uh, roasted brew of coffee there. Man, that sounds awesome. I can't, I can't wait for that day. <laughs> yes. I don't have yeah. a coffee problem at all, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you something about your family. Um, how did you and your wife meet? That's a great question. We, um, <clears throat> I was at like a Bible college. She was at a Christian liberal arts. And so, you know, they're in the same city. And so it's kind of like this joke that um, me and all my you know, preacher friends, uh, you know, went were street witnessing at her Christian school and led her and their friends to the Lord. And we've been, I've been discipling her ever since. So <laughs> now I'm going to get in so much trouble for saying that. And uh, if she, if you ask her though, she would try to say it first, you know, that she led me to the Lord. But uh, um, they, when you're, you know, of a Christian school talking to the Bible college, they don't believe her, but they believe me. So no, we didn't meet in college. She's my college sweetheart. And uh, we, we courted and dated throughout college and then uh, got married. And I was, uh, you know, was married students uh, my last year. Um, she, she helped me with some papers, you know, throughout the, the journey there. And uh, yeah, we've been um, um, happily married ever since. That's awesome. Well, I know that uh, she's intrinsically part of your story that you're going to share with us today. Your entire family is obviously. So let's go ahead and get into it. Tell us your bringing kids home story. Sure. Uh, we, when we were premarital counseling, you know, in those early college days, you know, they, they ask you the question, how many kids you're going to have? And 
to be honest with you, foster and adoption wasn't even in our language or in our vision. Uh, we did say uh, four kids and it kind of shocked us both because she only had one sibling and I only had one sibling. So for us both to say four is a little shocking, but um, so, you know, we had uh, one child, two child, three child, and then we're just having challenge having child number four a little over eight years ago. And, you know, when you, you go through that season and maybe there's a miscarriage or two that, that happens in that journey, it kind of makes you step back and say, okay, God, you said four, and maybe it's through some non-traditional uh, route there. And while that was happening, our, you know, I, as a local pastor, you know, for, for, I guess at that point, about 10 years, um, you know, we, we just were making a lot of phone calls to child abuse hotline for kids who are from our community who were attending our church, but they were being abused at home. And you're just wondering, well, where are these kids getting homes? And, and then later our church, you know, launches a ministry that recruits foster adopt families and they put a support system around them. And so I, I guess as the culture in our church was building to our right, you know, on our left, we're also seeing that we're not getting pregnant. And so, wow, maybe God's up to something. Maybe he's trying to get our attention. And so we read Adopted for Life, which all the listeners, I highly recommend reading if you've not read Adopted for Life by Russell Moore. Um, our pastor was preaching James 127. He used that book as a uh, setup to that sermon. And man, that book gripped my heart, Jason. I just I started seeing what you and I know, and probably a lot of our listeners, the 400,000 kids in U.S. foster care and 100,000 ready for adoption. They need moms and dads right now. And when, you know, with that spot where we were at, it was just like, maybe we're supposed to bring home a, a child from, from foster care that needs a mom and dad, you know, their parents' rights have been terminated. So we read the book, we fasted and prayed for a week. And then at the end of that fast on a Thursday, my wife thought Friday morning, it would be fun to take a pregnancy test. And surprise, number four. Uh, so yay, and I know your role, you probably heard that story a lot. Um, you know, uh, people start going down the road of foster care and adoption and then find out they're pregnant. That was definitely our story. And so everything was on pause. And um, man, honestly, you know, God started using this personal, personal passion that was going on and it became an occupational calling. He was like, listen, I paused you personally because now I want you to quit your job. I'm like, wait, what? Like, it's one thing to say, add a child, bring a child home to your, you know, to your family. But it's like another layer to say, bring a child home and quit your job and go start some new nonprofit ministry. <laughs> like, what is going on? Jason, I was a mess, man. Lots of prayer, lots of fasting, lots of questions, lots of crazy, you know, but uh, I think in, it doesn't matter whether you're bringing a child home or God's calling you into this space full time. It takes faith. It just takes faith. And, um, you know, the season we were in right there, now my wife's, you know, in her third trimester with our fourth child. And God says, take a blind step of faith out of that into orphan care. I didn't know foster care adoption. I didn't know what that was. And um, we took a step of faith because that's what the core of who we are was believers. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. It's the evidence of things unseen. Uh, you know, we, we don't, know what tomorrow holds, you know, and, and the, I always look at, you know, scripture tells us that the word of God is a lamp into our, our feet or a light into our path. And I've always pictured that like the little light on the end of our phone. It's just this little bitty pin light, right? It's not a spotlight. And when we can pray and beg God for a 
five-year plan, that's great. But the rule is he just shows us where we're at and maybe just maybe he'll show us the next step, you know? Uh, and sometimes even that next step is just blind. And so we took a blind step of faith and we started doing this, you know, helping churches with foster care adoption for about four or five years, but we just couldn't get away from that. I mean, obviously I'm talking about foster care and adoption all the time. And um, our fourth child was, you know, I see it was, she would have been six at the time, you know, five, uh, maybe six. And we just were feeling like, let's go back into foster, you know, let's start the journey of personal fostering. We fostered for a year or two. And then that wasn't enough. God was like, um, you know, you guys have seen a little bit of the hurt, the pain these kiddos go through and how really hard, you know, uh, fostering is. And, you know, I've said it this way that it's the most difficult thing anyone can do uh, to be a foster dot parent, but the most rewarding thing um, anyone can do. And I'm learning sometimes that reward isn't on this side of eternity. You know, I, you, you and I talk to a lot of parents who receive the uh, challenging side, but the reward is in heaven maybe for them because it's life has become so, so hard for them. Um, but needless to say, we just really felt like God was saying, okay, guys, you've been fostering, you know, you've, you've got four kids, you know, I didn't just call you to foster. I actually want you to add another, you know, child. So we went and, you know, to change it from fostering to adoption. And, uh, man, we just started seeing all these different stories and scenarios and just taking them before the Lord, just like, God, what do you want to do? Which, which child? And, and again, some of the listeners probably know how this works. You have a plan and then God has a plan, you know? And so um, we thought the plan was for one child and we thought zero to seven and uh, younger is better. We thought even keeping birth order, like um, at that point, you know, let's see, six would have been our youngest and uh, 14 with our oldest. And so maybe we could do a zero to five and kind of put them in the, the order there. And, um, you know, our agency found a, a child that was a little older. And so they said, what if, would you go up from seven to 10? And we're like, oh, let's pray about it. And so we prayed about it and we're like, okay, we're open to it. So then we started getting scenarios of kids, you know, their, their stories from older kids. And then here come the siblings that. So um, that's interesting because at the time to see the sibling set uh, who is, who is now Robert and Kelsey, um, Robert and Kelsey are, uh, were at the time, let me do some math here, uh, 11 and nine. And so I'm going, wait a second, this is like smack dab in the middle of our four and they're preteen they're preteen, almost say it one more time, they're preteen. <laughs> and so we got teenagers and preteen. I was like, what are you, God, what are you doing, you know? And now the humor of that, Jason, is for 10 years, my, my job was I was a junior high pastor. So I love God's sense of humor where he's like, hey, I'd like you to have uh, four or five junior hires at one time living under your roof. Okay, that's fun. Um, but yeah, man, we, we started fostering them, um, and they've been in the system for almost six years and, uh, in about 17 homes between the two of them, uh, and never together, um, in the same home. Cause there's about, actually they have 11 
and their sibling, biological siblings that. And um, one, one day is too long. We know that in foster care. Six years is almost unheard of. Like I rarely hear those types of stories. Um, but yeah, we fell in love with them. And uh, you just, I don't think I've told this side of the story in a while, Jason. So a little emotional, but um, it's just obedience, really. If God tells you to do something, you do it. Um, doesn't matter if it's easy. Doesn't matter if it's hard. Doesn't matter. You know, love is a choice. Uh, DC Talk coined it. Love is a verb. Uh, it's an action. And uh, you just do what God tells you to do. And we knew God wanted us to foster and then to adopt these two amazing kiddos into our family and go from a family of six to a family of eight. And so uh, this November, uh, it'll be. Um, two years they've been adopted uh, into our family on National Adoption Day, November 21st, and um, wouldn't change it. It's not been easy, uh, but God has called us to do it, and we love them, and I'm honored to um, not just add to our family, I'm honored to give them a family that they deserve. Yeah, I love that, man. I mean, every time we talk about your story, I'm always inspired, and it, it touches me a lot. How about you uh, kind of go into a little bit of your adoption day story? I mean, I'd love for you to paint a picture for everyone listening. What does adoption day mean exactly? And also, what was it like from your perspective? You, the actual day that happened, that is so blurry. You know what I'm saying? Because, um, I mean, prior to, you know, all the setup, you invite your, your friends, your family, in our scenario, our church is heavily involved. Your church is usually there. Families coming in from out of state, you know, from Owasso, actually, you know, area coming to visit. And, um, you know, they've already met their new grandkids at this point, you know, and they're excited with us. And um, we did a family photo shoot a couple of weeks before, you know, so that, and, and we just kind of sat on those pictures, you know, for a few weeks until we can unveil to the public, their faces instead of the little emoji con on their face, you know, pictures that some of us foster parents do. And um, yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, adrenaline, you know, and um, especially <laughs> um, ours, local Dallas-Fort Worth news, uh, regional news picked up our story. And so not only did we have the energy of Dallas County, uh, courthouse which was packed out man i mean there's wall-to-wall people and adoptions and it's super exciting and it was superheroes kind of like your uh your race and there's like superheroes everywhere pictures everywhere balloons everywhere professional photography everywhere um and and then we also had a camera in our face you know like recording our kids story uh, which was an honor um our kids were were involved with wednesday's child actually and we didn't even find that out until a few months ago. Like I asked everybody and searched everywhere for that type of thing and thought surely, and nobody we couldn't find it for some reason. And then we just found it. So they're Wednesday's child, they're on the news then. And so they're on the news for the adoption. And um, we had a, most of those people came back to our house, including all the biological um, siblings that could come and their adopted or foster parents. So it was so interesting. It was beautiful. 
and bizarre all at the same time. Beautiful because the mix, you know, you just got this, just that love of God, you know, just like your house is meant to be a place of, for us, like a ministry. Like we want to minister to people that come into our neighborhood or our, our house. And here's all the siblings got to see their room. You know, it's the first time their biological siblings got to see the room that they're in and the toys that they play with their backyard, you know, where, you know, all those little things that we, you know, look over and just, it's just normal everyday stuff was such a, you know, big deal. We have prayer cards because we're missionaries. And so they're like sharing prayer. There's prayer cards of our family and, and all the pictures are posted up of all those photos shoot we did. And um, it was, it was that, that moment at our house could have lasted all day. My heart was so full, um, just seeing friends, family, and and our new family, uh, the biological siblings, just tromping in and out of our house. I, I just, my heart was so, I, I think my cheeks started hurting. I was just smiling so much on that day. Um, but yeah, it was very energetic. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a lot. It was great. Well, I know that there's probably a lot of different things that you could talk about. I would love to hear your thoughts on permanence because that's what you just really alluded to. Kids getting to see their their toys, their bedroom, their backyard, their family, my bed, you know, those kinds of things. Permanence. Uh, when you think about the permanence that you have been able to bring to your kids, but also uh, what they've gotten to experience personally, uh, what has permanence looked like meant to you? And I guess speak on behalf of your kids. What do you think it's meant to them? Yeah, that's a unintentionally loaded question because it's layers, you know, like that's what I would call it layers. Um, we're not there yet. You know, um, <clears throat> I, I think I was naive enough to believe that though the excitement of the day that I just described was also going to have this magical switch that just put them into really both of us just absolute trust like my biological kids have. Um, you know, I was still Mr. Eric for a while, was not titled dad. <clears throat> and there was just no reference point for that, you know? And so really it's been, because <clears throat> yes, there's an acceptance of like, these are your clothes or these are your shoes. But honestly, Jason, the interesting thing I found, excuse me, <clears throat> was like, they came to us with like tons of stuff, tons of clothes, tons of toys, tons of shoes. Now, remember the framework, six years. I mean, there's been a lot of accumulation, you know. Instant removals, there's nothing oftentimes. We had we had one placement that was instant and there was nothing, literally the clothes on his back. So when you're talking, they've been in the system for years, you're talking about a lot of stuff. Now that's a whole nother category of conversation. Like no, they've not had this thorough discipleship is what I would call it of stewardship of stuff and how it comes and goes. We don't put emotions into it, but that's all they've had is their stuff. through 17 different homes. 
And so to change the concept of permanency is no longer these rubber totes or bags that you've brought with you for six years, that permanency is there's nothing you can do to change my love for you, permanency, we're still not there. We're still not there. Um, we're getting there. Um, conversation after conversation, you know, we, we separate uh, moments of, you know, disobedience or mistakes uh, come across of love and trust, two different conversations. So we, we talk about, you know, when you broke this, you know, or disobeyed that broke trust it did not break love love does not come and go like that i'm going to love you if you're the if you end up in jail someday this is for all my kids biological and doctor if you end up in jail someday and you do the worst of the worst i will still love you the same as i do today if you're the kid that gets the best grades and you end up making more money and can pay for dad's ministry awesome i'm not going to love you anymore or less than I do today. Love doesn't change, it's unconditional. Now trust comes and goes. And, and that is new, man. In fact, as a family, we had a theme last year and the word was care. And, and that was a family theme for us. Uh, and, it, and it's honestly still continued because we haven't left that concept of permanency. And the care is this, is number one, God cares for us. He loves us no matter who we are, where we are, he loves us. Uh, number two, we care for each other because that's, that's the thing too. When you come and go into 17 different homes, you treat different people differently than you would permanent placement. It, now we're talking long game instead of short game. And that's a different way you love people when it comes to true permanency. And the third thing was we care for our stuff. You know, like how do we steward all these things that we have and realize that people are more important? That's the order that, you know, we love God and then we love others and stuff's after that, you know? So, We've not arrived. Um, permanency is a good word. Uh, and none of us are perfect. We're all trying to learn how does God even love us when we don't deserve it um, and being permanent children of God and his family. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Jamie Hogan, Executive Program Administrator at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption Services. Did you know there's over 7,000 children waiting for adoption today? Did you also know that Texas has 30,000 children entering foster care every year? At TBHC, our hope is to provide the highest quality of care for kids who are coming from really hard places. We work to make sure that children in our care have a safe and loving home and that their dreams have no limits. What if you could be a part of making those dreams possible? I'd like to invite you to join the thousands of people who help TBHC meet the needs of children by going online to tbhc.org and clicking the donate button. Our ministry depends on supporters like you to help bring kids home. On our website, you can also find out more information about our agency, inspiring stories, and ways to pray for TBHC kids. To find out how you can make an impact on children in foster care, check us out at tbhc.org. And none of us are perfect. We're all trying to learn how does God even love us when we don't deserve it um, and being permanent children of God and his family. So. A very powerful image of the gospel. <laughs> I mean, and that's what I keep thinking is everyone keeps describing this scenario that you're talking about. And that's the biggest fear 
is that upon adoption, there's not this magical switch. And from what I can tell, upon salvation, there unfortunately is not a magical switch where we all of a sudden are always obedient to Jesus. We're always doing the right thing. And Jesus loves us anyway. And I appreciate your transparency in that because that's, that's hard. And uh, I'm sorry you're walking that still, but I'm also blessed that you're walking it still because the alternative is giving up. And I guess I want everyone to understand that's never an option. I'm so proud of that for you. And it's encouraging me to always stick to it no matter what as well. When you think about the future, uh, I, I'd love to hear what is it that you're dreaming about? What are you most hopeful about for the future? With my kids, my family, my coffee. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I think my role as a dad is pastor dad, not because I'm a credentialed minister, but because that's my role as the leader of my home is I'm shepherding my own kids. And I I think my greatest fear is also my greatest hope. You know, it's kind of like, my greatest fear, I think that they would walk away from the Lord someday and just, um, you know, forget their, you know, the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. That's not a promise. You know, I think sometimes I've looked at that as a promise. It's, it's just, it's a hope that, you know, let's do our best to train them up and hope and pray that they, they don't, the enemy's still the enemy. He still wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Um, but I just, I think my biggest hope is like that they would love God. I pray this over them almost every night, that they would love God their entire life. They would follow God their entire life. They would love the word of God for the rest of their days. Um, so, I mean, I think as parents, if we keep the goal and hope simple, <laughs> that, that they love Jesus. So I don't care. I don't care if occupation, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you always have these big hopes and dreams for your kiddos, doctors, lawyers, you know, whatever, make money, you know, uh, that's, you know, and even, you know, whether it's going to ministry or not, that stuff doesn't matter. Like what matters is that the first thing is that they love God. And I think second, if by the second goal, I would love and I pray over them all the time that they would find if God called them to get married, that they would marry a godly spouse. Um, I think, again, the order would be they follow God. Number two, they marry a godly spouse. And three, you know, just choose the job that God told you. Because I think sometimes people flip those. You know, you and I were talking about uh, families and just how, you know, honored we are that our parents are walking with the Lord. But it's like, you know, I want to set a good example to them. I want to, I want to love and parent my kids in a way that they choose us to be their mentors the rest of their life. That they, when they come home for the holidays or, or that they, um, you know, need to come home and visit or whatever, that they come home to a spiritual retreat, that they come home to a, a family, a home that gives them life, that speaks life to them, that brings life to them, that motivates them, encourages them, inspires them. Um, and just pours into them. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's that full picture, you know, that my wife and I continue to be the children of God that we're supposed to be, the marriage that we're supposed to be, that we parent today in a way that helps point them. I can't make them, but point them to Jesus and that they're with him 
for eternity. And they also continue the legacy that we're trying that their families then also follow the Lord. So. Yeah, I love that. Um, great encouragement to walk with the Lord and seek that for your kids, not have unrealistic expectations. All of those things are so incredibly important for all of, I think all of our families considering this process. Man, I, I can tell you that one of the, one of the powerful things here from all this today was uh, just the simple fact that you're in this. You're not, you're not observing it. Um, I, I'd like to say that about myself. We're not observing this process of adoption and foster care. We are in the process. It's adoption is a journey. It's not a destination. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that that's the way I hope the way God looks at me is, you know, he's, he's being patient with me still and loving me through it. Um, I, I definitely want to hear about your ministry in a little more detail and give someone who's listening a chance to kind of understand maybe how they could partner with uh, backyard orphans kind of, I guess, give us a little bit of the birth of that ministry and a snapshot of, of what churches, church leaders specifically could do to be a partner with you. Yeah. I think like pastors are, there's, there's 350,000 churches in the U S right. So these pastors, I would say most or all, you know, they, they have compassionate hearts. They want to help people. And if, if, and of all people, they want to help kids, you know, and, and when they start digging in and just like us, like you, if you're a local pastor long enough, you start realizing, holy cow, there's a lot of stuff going on in our own backyard, our own community that I don't even understand or know about. And there, what, there's kids in our community, they're getting abused. And, and so a pastor then's like, well, man, I'd like to help kids in foster care and adoption, but I don't know where to start. I don't, I'm kind of intimidated to work with the government. I'm kind of, um, you know, how do you do the paperwork and all that who who do I talk to and can I trust that organization that does the licensing or I didn't even know there was licensing you know so pastors get scared they don't know where to start there's fears that's where our team comes in at Backyard Orphans we guide church leaders uh, mainly lead pastors in a process to develop a foster care adoption and support ministry inside of their church and so the outcome is the impact is you know these churches find some volunteers to lead a, a ministry in, in their church and the the pastors kind of get gain some knowledge and awareness from our team and we also roll up our sleeves and teach them on a workshop like a full day workshop of what not to do because doing this eight years jason there's a lot of things you shouldn't do uh or not to do and then what to do and building this ministry out and uh man when we get to launch that church on the average you know a church around 150, 200, man, they, they get to see around eight kids, uh, or I'm sorry, eight families say yes on a Sunday morning uh, recruitment who are interested in foster adoption. And that's where we hand them over to an agency like you. And they go through the licensing process and, and become a licensed family. And, you know, eight, eight families could see uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 kids in that one church in one year. It's beautiful. Uh, so that's what God's called us to is just come alongside pastors, helping them start uh, a ministry like that. Awesome. Well, I'm going to invite you to share how they can get in touch with you in just a moment, but what is the most important thing that someone should know about adoption or foster? Well, I would look through the eyes of scripture. And so what I see in the, in scripture is everybody's called to care for orphans. Every believer is called to care for orphans. And so, you know, you start there and then the question is, what are you called to do? You know, not, 
not everybody's called the foster dog. Jason, I've been in ministry for over 20 years and not every uh, adult should reproduce. <laughs> You know, so um, not every adult should be a foster dot family. And I know you know that more than others because you have to say not yet to, to families. But um, no matter the age from children to, to seasoned adults, you know, we're all called to care for orphans. So what is your calling? Is it to foster? Is it to adopt? Where is it to support and support? Man, there's hundreds of things, hundreds of things for people to do. We get our kiddos when they're early, young doing pin pal ministry to kids that we sponsor in other countries uh, or even locally um, sponsoring kids from grandmas and grandpas um, making blankets or, or knitting, knitting things for kids who are, are in foster care or involved or even transporting uh, kids, you know, for families and stuff like that. We got a handyman group at our church that builds on or removes walls if needed. You know, they built, Jason, the other day, they built a toddler bunk bed. Like, I guess it's hard to find a toddler bunk bed because you can fit more kids if you can stack other beds up. And so they were getting a placement of some toddlers uh, and needed a, a more space. And so they built this cute little toddler bunk bed. So whether it's meals or prayer team or financially giving, um, man, Every, there's a place for all ages and for everyone to do something. Great reminder. Everyone can do something. There's no excuses. Try right. it. Um, well, man, it's been great having you on. Uh, how about you tell uh, our listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about your ministry? Yeah, I'd love them to go to backyardorphans.org. So again, that's backyardorphans.org. And uh, that there you'll find all the hub. We have some blogs on there that we'd love to encourage you. And uh, you can read and try to get your head around more of the space. Sign up for our newsletter where you can stay in touch. We do webinars through the website there. You'll be in touch. And then if you're on social media, you'll see that on there as well. We're at, I think, most all the social media venues from uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and, and YouTube are at Backyard Orphans. And uh, man, we'd love to um, help you if you're a, um, an individual. Uh, give it, get us connected to your, your pastor. Let him see. We have some videos on our website that from other pastors on how uh, God has, has used this ministry to impact their church. Um, so if you're an individual, connect us to your pastor, let him see the site. If you are a pastor, man, give us a, uh, give us a, a click on the website there. We can schedule a good old zoom. We were doing zoom before uh, zoom was, was going strong here. So we, we love zoom and uh, we'll set up a video chat to talk with you and see how we can help your church serve the hurting kids in your own backyard. Yeah, that's, that's important for anyone listening to this particular podcast. Just realize that uh, backyard orphans is national. So they, they go all over the country doing this. So just want to make sure everyone has that. Uh, Eric, thank you very, very much. It's, it's a pleasure having you on today. Thanks for having me. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe. To everyone listening, Thanks for helping bring kids home. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.